You guys may be seated. Praise God. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Sunday. And he is alive. Amen. What a incredible way to, to kick off this amazing day. This day that so many things are clarified, so many things are verified by Jesus' resurrection. I want to welcome you guys that are here today and for the, you guys that are online. And, you know, like selfishly, I just realized, you know, I'm very blessed because I think most of you guys know that um, basically next week will be our last Sunday. And today, God already told me Easter Sunday is going to be your last sermon at this church. And so uh, next week, we're going to have a worship Sunday. And God told me this about two months ago when when he was already telling us kind of, hey, you're going back to Colorado. And it's interesting because this weekend, again, selfishly, God is so amazing that I get to preach my last sermon here on Easter, which is probably the most incredible day to get to preach a sermon. And then yesterday, the day between Good Friday and Easter, I got to be there for a family and do a funeral for them to remember the life of a loved one. That's a pretty incredible way for a pastor to get to go out from a church. And so um, I just want to thank God. And, you know, because we've had half of our church online and still half our church remains online, it's pretty awesome that Easter brings out more people. So God also blessed me that way. I'm like, wow, it feels like we're back in 2019. And so I'm excited about that. Let me open us up in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we magnify and glorify your name. And Lord, your name is above all names. And we are so grateful Though we are not deserving, though we truly don't understand, Lord, what all you did for us, I pray, Lord, that in some way today, Lord, we would better understand what your resurrection means, because there is so much to it. So many things were, again, clarified, they were verified, and it's all about you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would empty all of me out. Pray, Holy Spirit, that you guide my words, my heart, and my mind as we speak your truth, as we take a look at the resurrection, at your conquering death, Jesus. And we pray this in your name. Amen. So last week I did something kind of different. I broke from tradition. Normally, you know, pastors will preach about Palm Sunday, because that's what it was last week, and we talked about the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. But because we didn't have a Good Friday service, I wanted to kind of talk about Good Friday last week, and I wanted to do that because I thought it was really important for us to reflect upon what Jesus went through, his passion, and that word passion means what he endured, what he suffered for us. And I mentioned that when we remember and we reflect, it helps us to understand and recognize ways that we have changed, perhaps ways that we haven't. It helps us to refocus. It can help us from making the same mistakes that we constantly make. It can help us develop a heart of gratitude. And it also helps us to reveal our heart condition. And today we're celebrating Easter. Resurrection Sunday. Last week I mentioned I want to start calling Easter Second Chance Sunday because ultimately that's what it is. Jesus died for us to give us a second chance to get things right, to get our hearts right with him, to be reconciled to God because of what Jesus did for us. And this is so important because if we just think about Easter as 
Jesus' sacrifice, his resurrection, and a forgiveness of our sins, which is so incredible, and also the ability for us to spend eternity in heaven with God, if that's all that it is for us, and believe me, that's the greatest gift. That's the most important thing. But if that's all we remember, then there's so many things that were clarified because of Jesus' resurrection that we miss. And so I want to spend some time focusing on that, talking about that, because there are a lot of things that happened, and there's a lot of truths that we get to experience and we get to acknowledge because of Jesus's, not only his sacrifice for us, but ultimately his resurrection. And so I've asked Pastor Emily if she would come up and read a couple passages for us to get us started in this process of reflecting. The first is Luke 24, 1 through 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. And now Luke 24, 36 to 39. While they were still talking about all this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the, for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Thanks. You see, Jesus was reminding his closest followers 
what he had taught them because they had forgot or they didn't fully understand or because they were so emotionally challenged at that time because they lost their leader. They lost their friend Jesus. They had so many emotions they were going through. They couldn't process what all was happening. They didn't understand it. And Jesus did this because he needed his followers to understand in the same way that we need to understand as Christians why Jesus' resurrection is so significant. And so that's what I want to do today. I want to take some time to remember and reflect and answer that question. Why is the resurrection so significant? Why is it so important to us as Christians? Well, the first thing it proves Jesus is who he said he was. And that's really important. Jesus said he was some different things. And I'm going to be focusing on John's gospel where Jesus said he is a lot of things. And so the first thing is that he is divine. He is the son of God. He is also God. He is part of the Trinity. We have a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. John 10, verses 22 through 30. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly, Jesus. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me. But you do not believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. How incredible is that? That Jesus, he is divine. He is the Son of God. But he is also God. That's something that the resurrection tells us. That Jesus is who he said he was. Jesus also said he was the bread of life. John 6, verse 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus is using a metaphor. Like bread, Jesus is the one who truly sustains us. And he is the one who provides eternal life for us. He made eternal life possible because of what he did for us. Jesus is the bread of life. He is the good shepherd. John 10, verses 7 through 11 Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This verse is telling us that eternal security is only found 
in Jesus. Just like that gate opening the door to a safe pasture, Jesus is describing himself as that gate that eternal life, salvation comes through him. He is the gate to that. And he also says or describes himself as the shepherd who provides safety for his sheep. Just like a shepherd. Whether it's a he or she shepherd doesn't matter, but they protect the sheep to the point that they will die for their sheep. And that's what Jesus did for us. He is the good shepherd. Jesus goes on in John's gospel and tells us that he is the resurrection and the life. John 11, verses 25 and 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? He talks about this a little more in John 14, verses 6 through 7. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. I'm sure you guys have heard people talk about Jesus saying he is the way, the truth, and the life. But what does that mean? Well, Jesus is the way. He is the way to God because he died for our sins. He allows us to access God because of what he did for us. He is also the truth because by coming to earth, he revealed the truth of who God is, God the Father. And he came into this world proclaiming it and embodying it. So he is also the truth. And then we also read that he is the life. He is the source of eternal life. Again, his death and his resurrection allowed eternal life to be possible. But Jesus is also the life in that he shows us the life that we as Christians need to live. So he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Jesus goes on, and he uses another illustration here. And we know the Bible was written in a time and so much of it it talks about an agrarian culture, kind of like a farm culture. So he says that he is the vine. John 15, verses 5 through 8. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into a fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. We talked about the need to make disciples, to make followers of Christ. We talked about that several weeks ago when we talked about heaven being real, but hell also being real. We need to make followers of God, followers of Christ. But here's the thing. 
The reality is we can't do anything of eternal value or we can't do anything that pleases God. We can't do anything for his kingdom if we do it without him. You may think that you do all these things. You may think the job you have, the money you make, it's because of you. No, it's not. It's because God allows you to. If God didn't want you to wake up this morning, you wouldn't have. It's all about God. And here's the thing. I would rather spend my time doing things for God that make a difference that are about his purpose and his will than things that are useless because I want to do them. He is the vine. We have to stay connected to him. And when we do the things that we do, have incredible value. They have eternal value. They have a purpose, and that's his purpose. It's his plan. We're here to serve him. Amen? The resurrection, it also proves Jesus accomplished what God sent him here to do. Because God sent his son to die for us. It wasn't just a random thing. There was a purpose. There was a will that God has, his will, in sending Jesus to die on the cross for us. So the first thing is that Jesus saved those who truly believe in him. He saved them from the consequences of their sins. Matthew 1, verses 20 and 21. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing. So we're talking about Jesus' birth, actually before his birth. But listen, God had a plan. His will, it's right here in verse 21. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. How incredible is that? Jesus before he was actually born, God had a plan and purpose for him. And it was for those who truly believe in him to be saved from the consequences of their sins. Jesus' resurrection it also made eternal life possible for genuine believers. And I'm using these terms, truly, genuine, because we have to truly and genuinely believe in Jesus with our hearts and our heads. It's both. It's a hard thing and it's a mind thing. But it's genuine faith. It's real faith. The Bible talks about lip service. It's really easy to say we believe because we're in a crowd at church. But God knows the condition of your hearts. Do you genuinely believe and trust him? Do you really believe and trust him? That's why I keep using those words. John 3:16 and 17 For God so loved the world that he gave his his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him Jesus also brought light into a dark world John 12, verses 44 through 46. Then Jesus cried out, Whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. 
Jesus brought spiritual truth, the light about God into the world. That's something else that Jesus did. That's something else that the resurrection proves that he brought the truth of God, spiritual light into the world. That's why Jesus is talking about sight, like a blind person living in darkness because they cannot see. A non-believer is living in darkness because they do not have revelation of God. So they are living in spiritual darkness. They are spiritually blind. Jesus' resurrection allows us to see if we truly believe in him. He also atoned for the sins of the world through his death on a cross, on the cross. 1 John 2, verses 1 through 2. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So you got to look at this, what Jesus did for us. It's like being at court. Imagine that you are guilty of doing something. You broke a law. Well, that's what sin is. We're breaking God's law. And there's penalties you have to pay. Sometimes it's a fine. Sometimes it's maybe jail. Well, the sins of the world, there needed to be something to atone for those sins. Something to take on those consequences. Actually, it's a someone because it's Jesus that took on the consequences for our sins. He didn't break any laws. Scripture tells us Jesus didn't sin. He was sinless. He was perfect. He was holy. He was righteous. But we sin all the time. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, we don't have to pay the penalty. We don't have to go to jail, so to speak. We don't have to pay that fine because of Jesus. He atoned for our sins. And he also reconciled us to God. Romans 5, verses 9 through 11. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now received reconciliation. Scripture tells us that before we're saved, we're enemies of God. I've talked about this a lot, that God hates sin. He hates it. Because it causes a separation between us and God. That's why it's so imperative that Jesus not only died for our sins, but his resurrection proves that we have been reconciled to God if we genuinely believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. You guys know that, that without Jesus' sacrifice, without his resurrection, we would still be enemies of God. But because of what he did on the cross, and because God raised him from the dead, because he is resurrected, we are reconciled. We are now children of God. The other incredible thing, there's many things that you're seeing that the resurrection does or did, or another thing that it did is that it made the purpose of why Jesus died for us possible for those who truly believe in him. 
That probably doesn't make any sense. Emily told me it was kind of hard to understand. So let me say it again, and then I'll just kind of give you the Cliff Notes version of that. So it made the purpose of why Jesus died for us possible for those who truly believe in him. Basically, there are benefits to Jesus dying on the cross. There's benefits that we get. We benefited tremendously from Jesus' death. Number one, we mentioned this earlier, it's forgiveness of sins. Ephesians 1 verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. We don't deserve forgiveness, but God granted it because Jesus died for us. He took on the sins of the world. Number two is the removal of those consequences of sin and the opportunity to spend eternity in heaven with God. Romans 6, 23, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. So that consequence or that penalty, if Jesus didn't atone for us, it's death. It's eternal death in hell. It's eternal separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So we no longer have that eternal consequence because of what Jesus did for us and because he was resurrected. And now we have that opportunity to spend eternity in heaven with God. And that's all made possible by the resurrection. The resurrection, it also means that the Holy Spirit dwells and every one of us who truly believes in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Romans 8, verses 9 through 11. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give, you, will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the Spirit who lives in you. Basically, to summarize, the resurrection means... We have God in us, the Holy Spirit. I mentioned we have a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, God dwells in our hearts. We spent eight weeks last year talking about the Holy Spirit. He empowers us. He guides us. He directs us. He does all these amazing things. The Holy Spirit is the person of God that is most active in humanity today. The Holy Spirit is so important but he only dwells in our hearts because of the resurrection of Christ. Now, the final thing, and this is the most important part of them all here, is that Jesus' resurrection, it validates Christianity and our belief in God. That's why it's so important. Because if anybody questions you in your faith, you can tell them, my God lives. Jesus was resurrected. 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 9. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, 
how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses of God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. I'll explain this. It sounds kind of confusing, but I'll explain it here in a minute. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are all, we are of all people most to be pitied. So here's the thing about John's gospel. It's giving an eyewitness account. When you look at like, what's the difference with all the gospels? That was John's purpose. It was to give like an eyewitness account. So basically it's like someone's testimony. I was there. I saw this. That's why it's interesting that John happens to be the only disciple that was at the crucifixion. So it's an eyewitness accounting is what John's trying to do. So basically what they're saying is they're saying we have eyewitnesses that said Christ is risen. And here's the thing. Because Christ is risen, we know all these benefits, all these things, all these prophecies, things that we know about from the Old Testament, they're true. All these things I just said earlier, they're true because Jesus was resurrected from the dead and he's making an argument and he's saying, here's the thing. If, if, if the things that we saw, if we saw Jesus and we saw the empty tomb, like if these things didn't happen, then you know what? There's no point in being a Christian because it makes no sense. That's what he's arguing because there was eyewitness accounts that Jesus was resurrected from the dead and how he ends it. It's like, wow, if, if Jesus wasn't resurrected from the dead, then we are to be pitied. Because people that died, that said they were Christians, well, they're not going to be resurrected. They're not going to be, uh, you know, in heaven. When Jesus' second coming happens, they're not going to participate it because that won't happen if Jesus wasn't resurrected from the dead. So hopefully that makes a little bit more sense. John's gospel is an eyewitness accounting, and he is arguing with people, telling them, we saw this, and because we saw this, our faith is real. The God we believe in is real. This got me thinking about the past year. We have been living through a pandemic, and as I mentioned, we have not had this many people in here since 2019. It's been really funky for everybody. But what's so amazing about the last 12 months is that we have had three members of this church come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I know another individual who led his father to Christ. So basically, because of this church, we've had four people come to Christ, whether directly they are members or family or members of someone's family. Now, on the other side of this, there's kind of a sad part in this, and that is that in the last 12 months, we've also had two members of this church who have passed on to be with God. Now, the reason why this is significant, I just said people that came to know Christ and passed on to be with God. If Jesus wasn't resurrected, then those people are just existing. They're not anywhere. 
But because Jesus was resurrected from the dead, those you guys whose loved ones passed away in the last 12 months, they're in heaven. And if you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you will see them again. And for the four people that came to know Christ in the last year, it means they're, we're going to get to see them in heaven. They're going to get to see us if we truly believe. So I hope you guys are seeing that the resurrection means more than just Jesus dying for our sins and eternity in heaven. It means so much more. It proves everything. It proves our faith. It's central to what we believe in. We should be excited because it's everything. And so I want to encourage you, if there's anyone here today, and I've already shared with you that the greatest testimony I believe this church has ever had is someone who for 50 years was going to church, but until the last three months wasn't saved, that is the greatest testimony of all, that something can look like a Christian and sound like a Christian, but they're not a Christian. But this person made a decision to live for Christ. And I believe that testimony is going to live on for so long. So if there is any of you that are just going through the motions, but you don't really believe in Jesus with all your heart and your mind, I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm not going to make you raise your hand. I'm going to ask you to pray. I'm going to ask you guys to ask the Holy Spirit to draw you in. As I shared yesterday at this funeral, God calls us. Scripture tells us that. He calls us. Something innate in us. We know about God, and there's things that draw us to him. So if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I ask you to pray that God would be calling you, drawing you in. And if you haven't been living your life for Christ, because here's the thing, it's really hard to hear from God when you have all this sin in your life. It's really hard. It's really hard to know the will of God when you're struggling with your own will. I'm going to ask you guys to pray. Again, I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm going to ask you to pray and say, Holy Spirit, work on my heart. I know Jesus died for my sins. I know Jesus resurrected. I know that I, I accepted you as my Lord and Savior years ago. But I've been struggling. I've been struggling with temptation, with lust, with envy, with jealousy, with all these different things. Holy Spirit who dwells in me, Holy Spirit, God in me, who I know is in my heart because Jesus was resurrected, renew my mind. Renew my heart. Help me make God the priority. I'm going to close in prayer, and I ask you guys to, to bow your heads to focus on God and either ask God to enter your heart and to draw you or ask the Holy Spirit to help you to put God first. Lord Jesus, Lord, words can't even express what all you did for us. It goes way beyond salvation. It goes to the heart of who you are it goes to the heart of how much you love us. Your resurrection means everything. I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here in person, if there's anyone online, if there's anyone in days to come that hears this message and they don't know you, I pray, God, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you would draw them. You would be calling them. And I pray that you would work on their hearts 
and they would accept you as their Lord and Savior, that they would be reborn. And Lord, for all of us, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would renew our minds, that you would change our hearts so we chase after you, God, that we make you the priority. Lord, today really is Second Chance Sunday. We have an opportunity today to recommit our lives to you, to make you the priority in our lives. I pray, Lord, that as we leave here, we're leaving changed. That we go out into that world as your disciples, as your representatives, and we share with others about your resurrection because it means everything. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for what you did for us. We pray this in your name. Amen. We have a couple of announcements. For those of you guys joining us, it's always kind of weird, this, this transition that we do. Um, but we don't have groups today or next week. We are going to have a town hall meeting. Um, basically, kind of different topics and things we're going to be discussing next week. And so if you guys can join us, we'll send a Zoom link because of uh, our Nichigo service and how it crosses over. We're going to do our, um, our town hall meeting on Zoom. Let me just take a moment to pray for our offering, and then we'd love to just take some time to fellowship with you guys in the small sanctuary just the other way. Um, Lord Jesus, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. And Lord, again, we thank you so much for what you've done for us. Lord, and your faithfulness, God, is so incredible. You have blessed this church for over 70 years, and one of the ways you've done that is financial blessings, Lord. So I pray over the offering that's received today, Lord. I pray, Lord, that it would be used for your glory, for your purposes. I pray, Lord, as always, if there are individuals, Lord, that haven't taken that step to give, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be working on their hearts, Lord. Lord, again, we thank you for what you are doing. We love you so much. We pray this in your name. Amen.